Hello, I'm Alan Power, and you're listening to a special episode of the National Trust podcast. In a slight departure from our normal upload schedule, this month we're bringing you an extra episode. Earlier this year, the Trust collaborated with experimental record label Erase Tapes to create a classical album like no other. The album was recorded at Trust properties across the UK, and in this episode, we join our podcast producer, Sean Douglas, as he joins the team on their last day of recording. We're just walking along a coastal path with butterflies fluttering round us. Such a beautiful day. It's just bright, crisp, clear sunlight and a bright blue sky with just white candy floss clouds that it's almost impossible to imagine what it's like in the tunnels. That was the voice of Michael Price, a TV and film composer best known for his work on TV series like Jekyll and Hyde and Sherlock. For his latest recording project called Tender Symmetry, Michael has stepped away from the creature comforts of his beloved Abbey Road Studios and instead opted to use National Trust properties and their varied acoustics as the recording locations for a wonderfully unique classical album. We join Michael on a walk along the White Cliffs at Fanbay in Dover as he calms his nerves before he and a team of technicians and musicians descend 70 feet into the White Cliffs themselves to record the last track on the album in the deep shelters hidden within Dover's iconic White Cliffs. I'm Sean Douglas, podcast producer at the National Trust, and this is the story of Tender Symmetry. It's nearly two years ago when we started to think about this project and, uh, and started to talk to some of the National Trust properties. They introduced me to this concept of spirit of place, which I was fascinated with. And so basically each National Trust property has got a sense of what that place is about. I think the project really started growing from there and so I started looking to find some of the undiscovered buildings and properties that the National Trust has. I wanted to find some of the places that didn't get visited as often and told different stories, had a different spirit of place. And so we ended up with six incredibly different locations. We've been to Fountains Abbey in North Yorkshire, which is a huge site, just a, a beautiful ruined abbey but also great buildings from various different ages. We've been to Quarry Bank Mill in the northwest which tells an amazing story of industrial progress but also a kind of high and low where your conditions were pretty different if you worked in the mill or if you were the uh, the owning family. We've been to Two Willow Road in Hampstead. Couldn't be more different. So a small, modernist, domestic house told an extraordinary story of both modernist design and architecture, but also very human side to Goldfinger, the architect, who's better known in a way for a sort of a brutalist style of trellic tower and 
many of the tower blocks. And then two other very special places, Speak Hall, also in the northwest. A beautiful Tudor property. We sang and played outside in a courtyard in the shade of aged trees. And then finally Sandham Memorial Chapel, which is an extraordinary 20th century painted private chapel. We had our lovely choir shards there who I'd written a, a piece for them just to sing on their own in this small chapel. And we end up here, Van Bay Shelter, deep within the cliffs of Dover, 100 steps underground. As we return to the entrance of the air raid shelter, the team's thoughts turn to the small task of carrying half a tonne of sound and lighting equipment down to their pop-up recording studio, 125 steps below. Ah, it's amazing. When you have to carry everything up and down 100 steps, it does make you think about what to, uh, what to bring. Oh yeah, you get very selective very quickly. <laughs> Just one microphone today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after months of planning, the team got their first glimpse of the task that lay ahead as we were joined by our National Trust guide. I'm Just opening up the plant room. Small dainty key. Already, we're just at the uh, the main entrance to the plant room. Um, the freshness of the air standing on the cliffs has just been uh, replaced by a dusty, musty, underground, well-used air smell, and it and it's crazy. It feels like we are literally going to be descending into the into the uh, bowels of the cliffs. Right there, we go. That should be enough helmets for everybody. I think everybody's done hard hat gigs. I think it's surely very common. So after a health and safety briefing, it was time for our National Trust guide, Chris, the project sound engineer, Andrew, the album's project manager, myself and Michael to descend into the tunnels for the very first time. That's been about 20, 25 stairs and already you can feel the temperature. I, I guess temperature dropping and the moisture condensation are already starting to be present when you hold onto the handrail it's kind of it's cool and silvery and slippery a bit like a fish so I guess we're already 30 40 feet down inside the cliffs themselves oh man this is extraordinary oh my gosh I was it's not expecting that in the slightest right now is, is quite striking. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot tall and there's about two inches clearance between my hard hat and, the, and this vent. When you dip your head with your torch on, you can just see a few feet ahead of you and the end of the tunnels disappear into darkness, which seems sometimes an impossibly far, <laughs> an impossibly long distance away. We're just about to enter the White Cliffs. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> We've been to some extraordinary places over the last few months, but to be physically cut into the white cliffs of Dover and, and to see the pure white chalk that is cut through, it's quite extraordinary. So we'll carry on. 
Apart from the acoustics of the tunnels themselves, another feature that would help Michael capture Fanbay's spirit of place were its sound mirrors. Sound mirrors were used as an early warning system to monitor enemy advances. In the First World War, these 14 meter high concrete discs would funnel the sounds of planes and boats crossing the channel into a microphone. These were monitored by an operator who could quickly raise the alarm. Sound mirrors, while effective, were quickly superseded by radar and many fell into disrepair. But the mirrors at Fan Bay have recently been restored to their former glory. To get to the sand mirrors, we entered a section of the tunnels where the already low ceiling started to get even lower. And in this claustrophobic space, our only saving grace was we could quite literally see the light at the end of the tunnel. So this is getting lower and lower and lower now, so we're all, all bending down to avoid our hard hats hitting. And then we can, you can see the sea, oh my god. Daylight. So, and then we come out into the daylight. Most extraordinary. And you can hear that your voice changes. And literally you can feel the warm sunlight on your face. That's quite extraordinary. Oh, and here is the sound mirror. Yeah, just here. Oh. This is the first one. Oh. Right. If you just sure. just talk a bit, you talk should, and move your head around, you should find where the sweet spot is. One, two, oh, wow. one, two, three. One, two, it's really weird. How peculiar. It's weird, it sounds like you're sort of like you're kind of slightly enclosed as well. Yeah. There's these early reflections that are coming, coming back at you. The bird song, I think, is extraordinary. Oh, I know, wouldn't have expected it at all. I, I really like the element of, of capturing planes going over. Yes, right. And, and so it's sort of really, I think rather than singing into them or playing into them or any of those kind of things, I think it's just, it's, it's sort of capturing see. what it's like to be here and to listen. Of course. Back inside the tunnel, Michael reflects on what contribution sound brings to spirit of place. One of the aspects that, about this project is, is that you can only experience the sound of a place by going to the place itself. You can look at as many pictures as you like and you can look at videos, but it's really not until you physically come and experience what it's like to, to talk and then for us crazy people to make music in, uh, in the place. The history is fascinating, the construction is astonishing, but um, for me with the musician ears as well, it, it sounds extraordinary. We've pinpointed exactly where we're gonna perform. I think if we can, if we can get it to happen here, there's something about this little crossroads as well. Because you're getting the, um, what it feels like the sort of reverberation that's obviously caused physically by the, the, the length of the tunnels, but also there's something about this chalk surface mm -hmm. as well that gives this really magically resonant quality. I'd love to hear the cello down here. Meanwhile, further down the tunnel, Peter, the project's cellist, was more concerned about transporting his very big and very expensive cello through some very narrow tunnels. The funny thing is you get so used to judging heights with the cello on your back. Yeah. And, uh, God, this is crazy. Yeah, they really aren't constant heights. <laughs> just be aware of heights as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's my, my cello spidey sense. 
We're following Michael's dulcet tones, I guess. God. This is incredible. As we turned the corner, I found Michael testing his organ and a full team of musicians and technicians ready for their first run through. Things are looking very different down here. I mean, it's, it's gone from a dark abyss to, to, to a movie set. <laughs> well, we've carried down a bunch of recording equipment and some LED panels as well, so that we've got light down here now. And uh, these portable lights has kind of opened up this this space. And, and it's strange because we've got familiar things around us, music stands and sheet music. And I've got a little portable keyboard and, and Peter's managed to get down here with his cello. So for, I don't know, for the next hour or two, it feels like we've kind of made this place our home, which is a really strange, strange thing to do. It seems more familiar and friendly already. And we look around and because it's the chalk area, then people have scraped graffiti into it over the years and carved out little faces. And we're not going to do that, obviously, because the National Trust would kill us. But you get a sense of kind of that people, that people who were here, this would have been their home. Um, and maybe for a couple of hours we can make it ours. My name's Chris Kalkov and I'm the recording engineer for Tender Symmetry. This is a really weird venue, I mean it's not designed for this kind of thing anywhere near. It's probably the last thing anyone thought it would be used for. So um, trying to capture interesting acoustics within this tunnel sequence, with absolutely no help because nobody's done this kind of thing before, um, is a really big challenge and to do it on the clock with the musicians union and all that is even more difficult. So it's, uh, it's an ex experience. Great. At the moment there's a lot of uh, trying things out, moving mics around, but uh, quite soon we're going to be going to be in the quiet and in the concentration. Uh, Kira, should we just have a little try from the yeah. start? Um, to start in quite a contemporary way. A little quicker, uh, yeah. So uh, four after F. In a way, we have we haven't sort of achieved that uh, that concentration yet. But it's always just a joy to hear hear Peter and Kieran reading something through. Both astonishing readers. So uh, so yeah, that was the. We I think I think we're going to be in good shape. Um, but yeah, the the hard work starts starts now. As soon as Chris has got a sound that he's happy with. We'll just be in the zone and do take after take after take until uh, until we think we've squeezed everything there is to squeeze out of it. Just give us 30 seconds to clear out. So because of the time pressures and the intense focus that the musicians need, uh, we've been banished to the outside while they actually do the recordings. Uh, we'll go back in and see how things have gone when we get the go ahead. 
The White Cliffs at Dover are often only seen as an iconic view on a boat trip from Dover to Calais. But as I sit here engulfed in wildflowers and observing busy bees, from this vantage point I get a true appreciation of the crisscross network of walking paths available in this area. It's almost a shame as one by one the blurry-eyed musicians emerge from the deep shelter. It's probably the most challenging environment I've ever had to play in. <laughs> just the sound changes so dramatically just by a teeny tiny movement. So it totally, yeah, it's just totally bonkers. That was Peter the cellist. Next to emerge was Andrew, the album's project manager. You have such an interesting array of acoustics within the space itself, as well as having the uh, particularly experimental sound mirrors, which add a completely new dimension to this one of those kind of core values of the National Trust and really giving an alternative spirit of place. Then it was Chris, the project's sound technician. It hasn't really dawned on me yet that it's the end of the project. What started off as just an idea on, on Twitter, really, to come here and be on the last day looking at a view like this, in a venue like this, is absolutely incredible. It hasn't quite sunk in yet with anybody, and it'll be interesting to see um, how the National Trust like it, because this is certainly not something that their usual clientele would be... Uh, would be looking out for, but it's certainly interesting, certainly very modern. And finally, Michael. It's a very powerful place to be, Dan. I can only imagine what it must have been like to, to live down there. You feel the weight of the, of the cliffs on the top of you. You feel the water, the dampness trying to get in. There are probably some classical purists that would say this is a bit gimmicky. I think this is a way for people to connect both to the music and, and to the place in a very, very powerful, compelling way. I'm okay with people who, who just want to go to concert halls, I just want to listen to studio recordings, I've, I enjoy them myself, but I think this is a journey worth following. No matter your views on the methods used to create this album, I think one thing that we can all agree on is I bet you never thought you'd hear a place used to seek shelter from World War II bombardment sounding this beautiful. For more podcasts from the National Trust, go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening to this special episode of the National Trust podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do let us know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we'll be back to our usual schedule where I'll be taking you on a tour of the wonderful Glendurgan Gardens. Until then, from me, Alan Power, goodbye.